Hello, everybody. It is an absolute pleasure to be able to interview one of my very good friends, and I would even consider her a mentor. And in specific, I would even say she's a spiritual mentor for me. Her name is Jennifer Payne, and she's got a wonderful background, which she's going to get into herself. Um, but we're going to get into a lot of different discussions. Uh, so keeping an open mind is obviously very key, and being able to uh, accept and and uh, really have a great dialogue about a wide variety of things that we want to share today. Um, and I think Jennifer is an amazing person to begin that with. She is a wealth of knowledge and information, but she's also just a real practitioner of that information in her life. And so without further ado, uh, let's bring her on. How's it going, Jen? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing amazing. Now, um, to share with a little bit share with the audience a little bit about yourself and a little bit of your background. All right. Well, uh, I'm 42 and I have three children and I homeschooled my children for a number of years, all the way up until about three years ago. And I, um, I grew up in what most people would consider to be a normal family. Uh, I grew up Lutheran. Um, so very much in the church and uh, it was when my oldest daughter was born that I started to get my interest peaked in health in a more intentional way. Um, I um, was just interested and concerned about my personal nutrition as a new mom and then also what I was going to do for nutrition for my family. And that's really where it started. It just was, I was, I was a mom. I'm, I am a mom. And so I was interested in giving my children the best advantage that I could. And so that has carried me on a journey of um, being an avid reader and lots of books from the library. And then just realizing that I wasn't getting enough of a scratch on that itch, I guess you would say. And mm. so that led me to starting to take introductory healing classes and different methods or modalities of healing until eventually I ended up with uh, homeopathy and really fell in love. And so that is my training and background. I ran a full practice in Southern California for a few years. And then I started visiting the, um, the sick pro bono. Um, I was making home visits for a number of years, almost two decades now, and wow. lots of uh, consultations, um, phone consultations, um, chat, uh, internet chat consultations, uh, things like that. And, uh, and then about, I think it was maybe seven years ago, I came upon uh, some nutritional information that really interested me. And it's, it answered a lot of unanswered questions and it answered a lot of unsolved cases. Every practitioner, no matter if you're allopathic or, or naturopathic or homeopathic or chiropractic, you always have a certain percentage of your uh, clientele that you just can't get a deep acting healing response from. There's, mm. There are human puzzles that you can't crack. And so yes. when I came upon the nutritional information about seven years ago, it really filled in the gaps for me. It helped me understand things at a much more foundational level so that I could 
um, harmonize what I already knew with the new principles of the design of the body. And it really made me excited for my profession again, for helping others. And, uh, and so I've been on a journey of, of learning and uh, I have, I'm in a mentorship chain. So I have mentors, I mentor people and uh, I've just continued a journey of personal growth. And uh, mainly just because I'm, I tend to be a little bit slow. Um, I, I need to do things over and over and over to get it. You know, mm -hmm. I have to see things and, and do things and hear things a, a lot of times. And so I found that um, when I really intentionalize and pursue personal growth in my life, then I'm able to see the growth that I really want. And so that's why I've, I've done that. And um, other things, uh, I'm a writer. Uh, I write um, Christ-centered inspired poetry. And um, I, um, I'm trying to think of anything else that I might want to throw. I, I think that's kind of a good overview. You know, yeah. um, I'm into natural healing, into um, I, my, certainly my journey of um, faith walking uh, with God is, has, has taken a turn uh, for sure and mm -hmm. uh, has led me uh, from the the immaturity of childhood and religion into a pursuit of maturity and righteousness for sure yes. and so yeah wow yeah and we're gonna get into a lot of that um, uh, one of the things that I ask everybody here is pretty much what is your red pill moment you know what was one of those just profound moments in your life where you heard something, saw something, felt something, experienced something that you could never forget kind of transformed the rest of your life. What would you say that was for you? Um, so I have several. Uh, one of them is, of course, with homeopathy. And uh, I had taken uh, many introductory courses in uh, several different, uh, what people would consider alternative healing, um, Chinese herbal and Tibetan and just a whole myriad of different things. I took mm -hmm. one homeopathic class. And I remember how the, my instructor in this class was talking about how every single thing uh, plant, animal, mineral has a frequency, has a signature of God in it and how you can use that frequency to heal. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You know, and, mm -hmm. and there were some basic, uh, uh, basic examples. Okay. Like for instance, the, the same, and this is such a great one, the same frequency that is in an onion, which is what we would consider to be the chemical, okay? Uh -huh. That when you, when you cut it, it causes like your eyes to water and your right. nose to water and, and you know, you have that kind of experience. So when you use that frequency, then it can be used to heal hay fever. Wow. So that's a, it's a great example just because it's so simple and people yes. can understand it, right? Right. And so if you imagine that literally every single thing has a, the chemical has a reaction, but it actually carries a frequency that when you use that frequency, you can heal those symptoms. It's, it's really amazing. So that was my eye-opening moment. I knew for sure after that class that this was what I was going to do. This is what I was choosing. So that was my my moment with homeopathy, uh, my moment with uh, the nutrition was understanding that 
um, I had always, I was like a juicer. I was really into, I have, I have a commercial juicer. I was really into lots of fresh fruits and vegetables. I've been buying organic for 20 years. And it was understanding that plants and animals can't make minerals. And so unless they get them from the soil, then they're not in your, you're not, they're not in the plant and they're not in the animal and then they're not going to be in your body. So mm. it doesn't matter if I juice a hundred pounds of carrots, if the nutrients weren't in the soil, they're not going to be in the carrot. They're not going to be in the carrot juice. They're not going to go into my body. And so I, I thought of healthy as you know, how many fruits or vegetables I could eat, how many maybe different types of fruits and vegetables I could eat. You know, people think healthy, big salads, things like that. And ultimately, fruits and vegetables are just a vehicle for the thing that's really important, and that's the nutrients that are in there. And mm. so we've associated the vehicle with the thing. And right. we don't realize that it's really the thing that we want. And in order to, to get the thing, we would have to test every single fruit and vegetable. Nobody could do that. Right. And so that's when I began understanding that supplementation with the essential nutrients, especially minerals, uh, was key to honoring the divine design of the body. So that was my, mm. my moment with the 90 essential nutrients. Right. My, right. my moment with faith, my moment with God, my moment with the direction that I take in, in walking with the God is, um, it was my mentor asked me, and this is almost 10 years ago. Now he said, are you uh, part of the bride or are you part of the body? And this was just like really eye opening. It made me think, it made me, it made me just sort of jaw drop because I had never heard that question ever. And I had grown up in the church and I was an adult, you know, mm -hmm, I'm 40, mm -hmm. so this is like, you know, 33, 34 timeframe. Yep. And, you know, being in my thirties and having someone ask me, how do I identify in God? I was mm. like, well, I had never, I had never realized that since then I've now realized that properly cutting the word of truth and understanding that God is doing different things with different people all to display righteousness throughout the ages and understanding who I am in that, in that, um, process tells me what promises are mine, where I'm at, what God is doing. It shows me my placement. And at that time I was completely ignorant of it, or I was, I was blind to even understanding that there was a difference between the bride and the body. Now I look back at it and I thought, and I think, of course, the bride is definitely not the body. You know, the body is mm. definitely not the bride. You know, the bride is a certain thing. The body is a certain thing. And at that time, uh, when, when my mentor described to me what category or what things make up the characteristics of the bride and then what things make up the characteristics of the body, it was like instantaneous for me. I had always identified with the bride because I didn't know any better. I didn't know any difference. No one and I, right. no one I knew had ever talked about any difference. And suddenly, I, as, as it was being explained to me, I was like, well, of course I'm the body you know? Mm -hmm. And so since then, I've never looked back. I've learned to uh, literally the entire scripture opens up to you when you understand how to properly cut the word of truth. In fact, in second Timothy uh, two fifteen, it says study to show thyself approved, um, a worker, not to be ashamed, 
rightly cutting the word of truth. And this is what I'm talking about, okay? And so what's interesting is the very next uh, verse, it talks about stand aloof from profane prattlings. And in religion, they talk about uh, profanity being like worldly cuss words. You know, I have an article about this on Facebook. It's so funny because worldly cuss words are not what God considers profane. And we can get into this a little bit more as right. this thing moves along. But this was really really understanding the difference and how to cut the word of truth and knowing who I am in Christ was huge for me. This was definitely my red pill moment. And, and what, what was cool about it is number one, I didn't feel dumb. I didn't feel foolish. I didn't feel like I had been tricked or duped. I felt intrigued. I felt, um, I had curiosity, excuse me. I had curiosity. I had excitement that there were things that were in God that are like big, important things that I had never heard of before and that religion wasn't talking about. And instead of having this sin consciousness about constantly talking about what I'm doing right or wrong, it was more about instead of my focus being on what I'm doing, suddenly the focus was on everything that God is doing. And that was exciting to me because it was just novel. It, nobody's really talking about it. Nobody's, I mean, people are talking about it, but it's just rare, you know? Yes. So that's definitely my, my moment there for sure. Wow. No, and I love those, all of those different ones. And I'm sure people took away something from that because it's really important. And I, I just, and, and getting into those specifics, which are a lot of the people listening can be Christians themselves currently. They go to church, they have family in Christianity. Some people listening um, are, grew up in the church, but have since become more or less spiritual and they don't necessarily know what they believe right now. Um, and some people have just totally lost their way probably. And they don't know, not that they're atheists. I would say most people today are probably just, they believe in something, they're not sure. Um, there are probably people listening to this as well that, that love Eastern philosophy and new ageism as I have simplified and coined that phrase as well. Um, and so be, being that there are people listening now that have those kinds of different beliefs, you know, I wanted to kind of ask you that simple question, which is what's something that you were already trying to get into right there, which is what is the difference between religion and having a relationship with God? If you could answer that in a simple way. Well, religion is all about the things you have to do. It's all focused on what you're doing, um, what you're doing for God, what you're doing in your life, what you're doing, and the rules you have to follow to be right with God. And um, if you understand that it's not about what you're doing, it's about, I'm sorry, just, sorry about that. Uh, it's, it's not about what you're doing. It's about what God is doing. And so, um, religion keeps us so busy, um, concerned, focused, and worried about things that we are doing that it completely leaves out what God has done. Uh, and, um, the, if you, if you think when people say the word God, okay, first of all, all of the terms that we use are just largely um, wrong, just 
to be frank, you know, they're wrong. And so you almost have to have a lesson in language before you explain to someone something. Because when people say God, they think deity, right? right? But a better uh, way to understand it or a better definition is uh, judge and orderly arrangement of judgment. And so God is a, uh, an order of, um, of authority, of governance throughout the universes. And um, the, I'll give you an example that's really, really simple, okay? There is, a, there is an order that governs, okay? That's why when you plant a, a peach seed, you get a peach tree and then it produces peaches and the peaches have peach seeds in them, right? right. And when you, when you plant a peach seed, you don't get pears or guavas or strawberries, right? Uh, because there's an order that governs it. And when uh, two dogs mate, you get puppies, right? You don't get cats or piglets or goats, okay? Right. And it seems silly, right? That I would say that. But the truth is, is that there is an order that governs everything. And, mm -hmm. and there is a hierarchy and, and there is a priority in that. And so the more, if, if you notice, and if, if whoever listens to this, there's something that I said that you may have caught a few minutes ago. And I said, my relationship with the God, and I used a definite article in front of the word God. And it, it, if you were, I noticed that. Yeah. Yes. So if you go to the concordant literal word for word, uh, it shows in several instances where it'll use the definite article in front of God. And this is, this is, it's not talking about deity. It's talking about the word, which is the, the will and intention of God. It is the, it is the, um, the, the only, a source of authority. And so if you, do you remember the story of Enoch? There's just a tiny little bit in the scripture about it, um, where it says he walked with God for 365 years. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, in the concordant literal, it says the God. Okay. Mm. Definite article. And so what was that? It's, he was walking with the word, meaning that he was using and applying things from the true reality in his life. Okay. Mm -hmm. He was accessing the things in that governance, in that, in that authority. That's what he was talking about. And what we do is we anthropomorphize God. Okay. So when we, when we read this, and this happens because of Sunday school, religion, children's Bibles, that kind of thing. Um, we look at God as if he's a person. So we think Enoch walked with God, like they were walking through the, you know, the forest or whatever, like talking or whatever. Okay. It's, it's different than that. It, it has to do with the application of principles and the understanding of this thing that I'm, that I'm, I, I'm just real simple. I'm not getting into something too deep, even though right. it is a very deep subject, but it is an idea of a, a priority and a principle that's based on righteousness. And righteousness is not the things that you do to be right with God. Righteousness is a, it is a placement 
of things in their correct order of authority amongst other things. So when, it, when I mentioned before, it's, I, it said in 2 Timothy, Paul says, stand aloof from profane prattlings. This is a, a, an encouragement to um, stand aloof or stand back from people who are not adhering to that divine order of righteousness. Profane mm. meaning that you're, you, you might have truth, you might have things that are true, but they're not in their right place. And so, for instance, there was uh, uh, an instance where Paul turns a couple of men over to Satan in, uh, in his letters in Timothy. And why does he do that? Well, they believed in the resurrection. So that's a truth, right? Just very simply, the resurrection is, is a truth. But they believed that the resurrection was already past, meaning that we as soil bodies right now in this life are all, have already been resurrected. Mm -hmm. And so that truth was out of its place. That's not the case. We are all headed for a death. We have mankind dies, all mankind dies. And, and then through death, God shows his righteousness to resurrect us, okay? So, right. so if we're already resurrected right now, I want my money back, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I mean, this is, this is obviously a soil body, dust to dust, ashes to ashes, people die, that's the way it is. We're not immortal. Um, and so for these men to be teaching a truth that was out of its place, out of its time, see how there, there can be a truth. It's a truth, but it hasn't happened yet. Right. So it's mm -hmm. out of its place. And so they were preaching it. And Paul says it's like gangrene. So he, he turns them away to the adversary. Okay. Because they need, wow. they, they, he, they were corrupting people basically. Okay, so right. that's where that comes from, standing aloof. Okay, so back to terminology. I said the God because the God stands for the word, which is this orderly arrangement of the will and intention of God. Okay, right. and it's practical. It's usable. In fact, two-thirds of everything the Apostle Paul writes is about how to live our lives in a, in a, in a basic, practical way. Mm -hmm. And so people want this spiritual, great spiritual, you know, me, you, everybody, we want this great spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. And it's like real basic, lead a peace, peaceable life, you know, work with your hands, have enough to give, you know, um, those types of things. And, and that's why Paul spends so much time in his letters talking about that basic practical way of life. And, right. um, and so I, I I, I guess that's where I'll stop with that aspect of it. But yes. rel religion takes you down a totally different road of all of the things that you have to do and all of the things you have to be to be right with God. It gets you so focused on your doing that you completely ignore all the things that God is doing, which is really everything and the most important things. So. Right, exactly. And it seems like you have to, just like the Pharisees did, you have to add to that list of rules consistently to keep up with the worldly, to keep up with, oh, well, this is wrong. And this is why, just like, as you mentioned with profane language, you know, why is it that the cuss word of, you know, shit, you know, or fuck, how, why does that have to, are we adding to the list here or was there some other meaning perhaps that was a bit different? 
Uh, and right. so that's riddled, as you said, through the concordant version of the Bible, where it talks about from concordant, meaning clear, meaning, you know, perfect, perfect meaning of it, but basically the most direct definition of that particular congruent, right. Congruent right. with Hebrew in the old Testament and then Greek in the new Testament. And I think that like most people, again, they overlook it because religion if you're not, you really have to be in a cult-like mentality to really follow religion, like to really go with everything they say is kind of hard for some people, especially like, let's say people like this who listen to this podcast, they question things and they question a lot of things and they want to know the, the real answers. And I think that what's very clear is that there are real answers. You know, this, there, there isn't this elusive space and time and everything's right. And your truth is your truth. And my truth is my truth. Like, there is the truth. And I, I try to send that home very uh, often here on the podcast is there, no, no, there is the truth about how something went down, whether it was an investigation and in something real like history, or whether it's the way things are, as you mentioned, the divine order of things. Uh, and so there, there, that's very, very important. If, if you want to have, add anything to that real quick before I move on to the next question. Yeah, I think people's BS meters are up. I right. think, and they should be. You know, they look at religion, whatever religion that, you know, you could consider and they want, they want connection with God. They want intimacy with God. They want wisdom. They want, you know, to be all that they can be in this life and walk in their purpose and me, you, everybody, you know? Right. And so religion gives you this, it's like when you're following a maze and you start your pencil and you're drawing around and it's like you come to a dead end, right? And so while you're following that path until you discover the dead end, it looks like you're going to get somewhere, you know? Right, right. And so you get that like physiological response, you get the excitement, you get a sense of belonging, you get promise and hope and, you know, all of these things that the, that the things you want inside yourself that really God put there that he, he designed for us to crave and want so he could fulfill them. Um, you think that they're going to be fulfilled only to discover it's another dead end. And so after mm. so many dead ends, you just get to the point where the BS meter is up, you know, and it's, I actually probably would say that I prefer, to talk to someone who is atheist. I prefer to talk to someone who is new age. I prefer to talk to someone who has really had a bad experience in religion. Um, Versus and, somebody who's very religious. Right. Because someone who has repeated a mantra or um, someone who has repeated something over and over and over again, they are emotionally caught up with the identity of that thing. Mm. And so as you start to peel the layers off of their belief system based on truth, then it becomes offensive. It becomes traumatic. It, it's traumatic, it's offensive, and you get to the point where the truth actually offends you. Mm -hmm. and really we're we're in a very large regard we're in that today because of a normalcy bias you know and if you look at some of the uh, uh descriptions of prophets in the old testament of the scripture uh, they talk, there's a, this huge thing about how there's all these people that say everything's going to be great and there's going to be this, 
you know, this turnaround for God and, you know, all of this stuff. And then there's like one guy who's like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. The city's coming <laughs> to destruction. Everything's coming to destruction. You know, there's going to be a takeover, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, and they're offended. They are offended. They do not want to hear it at all. And, and so I think that's where the soothsaying came into place. Uh, I've been really looking into this. Uh, soothsaying. It's like soothing to your ears. There's a lot of things that's soothing to your ears, you know? Um, and so oftentimes truth comes as a, a harsh reality, but better to come now than, and, and give you an opportunity to absorb, in, introflect, and then respond and, and, and pursue than to just live in the lie. And I think most people that are watching this probably are at a point in their life where their, their BS meter has been up for a while and they are interested in truth. That's why they're watching this and right. uh, other things that are like this. And, and they are looking. And so I, I would like to give a couple of recommendations one I wanted to say this it, before you get into yeah. that. I want to add on to that comment uh, that you mentioned, which is just how uh, people do go through that traumatic experience, mostly because people are having, um, they're fragile. Uh, they just are dealing with their own personal issues, which is another topic almost, but really dealing with personal growth and realizing that you need to take care of your own personal baggage so that you can take on the tasks that are divinely uh, ordained to you to take care of. Uh, because as long as you continue to have this baggage and continue to have, you know, problems in your life that you're not necessarily addressing and you're not taking care of. And a lot of it can be um, health concerned. You know, people can deal with health issues, but are they really dealing with it or are they just putting up with it that they're tolerating it? And so whenever you come at them with different things about, you know, their spiritual beliefs or what they think about the world, they almost are like, I, I don't have time for that. Like they're almost just like, I can't focus on that because I'm dealing with this needle in my, you know, my butt that I can't get up off of, you know? Uh, sure. So there is that aspect to it. And so those people almost like there has to be an awakening for them, for them to even just get started on realizing what's real and what's not real and what's truth and what isn't. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to mention that it's funny enough. So, but that probably isn't the audience listening. Like you mentioned, it's probably more like their BS meters up. They've been, they've been trying to seek out the truth and they're more open-minded to it. So and it's just something to add to it, but go ahead and with your recommendations. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll come back to the recommendations, but something you said really piqued my attention and I wanted to mention it. Um, you mentioned uh, the, the thing about having a load to carry. And, you know, what I think people don't realize is that their load is their blessing. And, and so we spend a lot of time in society about trying to give our load to someone else, whether it's the government or, you know, passing, passing the buck along. And so because of our ignorance to the, the way the blessing comes, uh, we are missing out big time. And so I think the easiest, most simple way to describe this is understanding that you are designed to carry a load and your load is the way that you're blessed. And so if, you, if your load turns into a burden, then we're supposed to bear one another's burdens, okay? That's where we 
fellowship with one another and um, and we and we move in to help bear one another's burdens. Okay, so what's the difference? How do you tell what's a burden and what's a load? Because we're so, um, we've gotten to a place in society where we think that our load is our burden <laughs> and mm. it's not. Mm. And so how do you tell the difference? So the difference is if you are living in a neighborhood and a tornado comes along and wipes out your neighbor's house, this is a burden, okay? Right. And so it's acceptable, reasonable to go and help that person, okay? Totally. But 10 years from now, you're not still helping that person because at some point they are expected to then again carry their load, right? Because it's the so, divine order of things. That's right, exactly. And so if we participate in the divine order of things, it keeps harmony and, and keeps the um, harmony. It keeps the harmony and peace on the earth. And, and so um, that is really the, the, the crux of it because if you skirt your responsibilities, you're, you're, you're being made able. Your response is being made able by God, right? Sp mm. Responsible. And, mm -hmm. and so if you uh, are a sluggard or a lazy person, then you're, what, you, what you put your hand to is what prospers. Well, if you put your hand to video games or if you put your hand to, you know, something that's not going to prosper, then it doesn't prosper. You know, like you're not right. going to prosper in, you know, the things that are really going to drive your life if you're, if you're not putting your hand to it, you know? Right. You know, people are like how come this always happens to me or, you know, that victim mentality. And it's like, but it is true that once things happen to people and they focus on it, it does t tend to uh, kind of keep happening or things do tend to burden on people. I've noticed, whereas some people just come, somehow can dodge a lot of those different issues. Um, and again, I think that might have to do with just, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's luck or if it's just your divine purpose of things and how you're on it. I mean, I like the book Outwitting the Devil talking about similar things. But um, anyways, that it's such a good point. I, and I wanted to get to your recommendations too and, and, you know, without, you know, tailing off too much. Yeah, so uh, my recommendations are for people who want to uh, learn a little bit more about what we're talking about here. Uh, get yourself a concordant literal word for word scripture. Uh, and you have to order it. It's not something that you can just pick up at your local Bible store. I think they have them on Amazon, concordant, literal, word for word. And um, the pursuit of training your mind on the realities of God is a worthwhile pursuit. And what I mean by that is we are so steeped in a normalcy bias we think when we go to flip the light switch on, it's always going to flip on. When we flush the toilet, it's always going to, it's always going to flush. Mm -hmm. uh, when we want a Starbucks, then we go down the street and there will be a Starbucks. And we're beginning to see an uncertainty in society where things that we thought were always going to be there suddenly are not. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about this is that we made assumptions that those things were always going to be there. We made assumptions that they were certain. 
And you used a word earlier about people are so fragile. It's not just people, but everything around us is circumstance is fragile. You know, things right. change super quick. And so if you are going to be rooted and founded on something, be founded on truth. Uh, be per in pursuit of truth, because if you are in any way uh, betting on, banking on, counting on, assuming on circumstances, if this last season of the COVID-19 has not disrupted that thought process enough for you, hear me when I say that it's probably not a good idea to be focused on circumstance. Uh, because circumstances quickly, quickly change. And right. this is definitely the case uh, all throughout the scripture. So, Right. Wow. And um, I want to just get into another thing, which I think is it's, it's a very simple question. Um, but essentially, I think it's important enough for people to understand. Uh, and it is this, it's simply this. Who is Jesus or Yeshua, commonly referred to as Jesus, um, and why is he so important in the scripture, but not only in the scripture, but why is he so important in the world? What, what made him special when you have a lot of other quote unquote deity like figures throughout history and different people follow, of course, different religions and different things, but what, what makes Jesus so important and crucial that you think that transcends all things? So what makes Jesus so special is that he recognized and bared witness to the word of God. And, and so if you could say Enoch walked with the God, then that is true about Jesus. He recognized he was a man that was in an order of authority. This is something that religion, especially like Trinitarian um, most Christianity is almost unwilling to discuss. Mm -hmm. um, and if they do discuss it, it's super confusing and convoluted as they're trying to fit the divine order of righteousness into their tradition and doctrine, which Jesus says in Mark that you actually make void the word of God for yourself when you do that with tradition. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what makes Jesus so special is his, his witness of the word of God. And this is, the, um, this is the hallmark. This is how we know that the Bible is an inspired um, text. This is how we know it's different from, say, like the Quran. This is how we know that it's different from the Book of Mormon. This is how you can pick up any piece of writing and you can say this this text is not the same in authority as the scripture because it's testifying of the word of god the scripture is and, and this is a huge thing because in christianity they make a claim that the bible is the word of god mm -hmm. okay the Bible is not the word of God. And hear me out on this before you get mm -hmm. offended. <laughs> uh, no, you're not going to get offended, but mostly for the viewers. The Bible is the witness of the word of God, meaning that it's coming out from the word of God. Okay. Of meaning coming out from. So it's the witness of the word of God. And so it says 
let by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, right? So what does that mean? It means that if I make a claim to you and I can't show you at least two or three witnesses or places in the scripture that bears witness to the thing I'm saying, then it can't be established as a truth. Okay. Mm. And so the more weight a proclamation holds, the more witnesses bear to it. Okay. So if you, uh, there, uh, there's a really good one. That's the, it was the righteousness of the father that resurrected Jesus from the dead. Okay. And this has bared witness to like 20 or 30 times at least. And it's a huge proclamation. It's super weighty. It has, mm. it has a lot of implication. Okay. And so because it's so profound, uh, it has to have a ton of witnesses that corroborate its existence or its truth. Okay. So it's the same with, um, with, uh, uh, pretty much anything that you want to try and establish with the scripture. So taking it back to what makes Jesus so important. Um, Jesus is a man chosen by God to be the last mankind. He represented and he bared all of the sins of the world on him. And he you know, there, there's so many directions I could take in this. So I'm going to try and use the most, use the most simple, um, uh, and interesting, uh, way to describe to you what happened. If you look at, uh, okay. So first of all, number one, he was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's the very first thing. So erase everything, you know, in religion about, you know, go forth to all nations, et cetera, et cetera. It says very specifically, Jesus in his own words says, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was concerned at that time with Israel. Everything was about what was going on with Israel. Okay. And, and, and then the tradition in Israel. But Israel not being the physical Israel, but literal, the, the divine definition of Israel, correct? So I'm talking about the nation. And so there, if, if you go back, there is um, Abraham, okay? Everybody knows right. Abraham. And then his son, Isaac. And then Isaac had given his birthright to Jacob, which was the younger son, okay? There was Esau and Jacob. So Jacob is the younger son, okay? So Jacob had his name changed to Israel. Okay. And Jacob had 12 sons. Okay. Right. And I can get into all the genealogy and all of that. It's in like the, can, what people consider the boring parts of the scripture is actually really important. Yes. Yes. But the basic idea is, is he has 12 sons and each of the 12 sons creates the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay. And one of them is Judah, which they make, that makes the Jews. Okay. Right. And so uh, there's a point where there's a split in the kingdoms and 10 tribes go north and split off and two tribes stick around, okay? And so when I say Israel, I'm talking about the actual physical lineage of that nation. 
and all of the things that they were given. So the oracles and the law and, you know, the, the prophets and the prophecies and all of the things that they were given, the promises and everything. Okay. And then included in that are some proselytes, which are people who convert over to that belief. Okay. But as far as, um, Jesus saying, I was um, sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's talking about pure blood here. He's talking, and he even makes this very clear distinction in a couple of different occasions where there was, a, like in one instance, there was a Syrophoenician woman and she was a mixed blood. She was like partially um, from the nation of Israel, but then she had married into another family. And so she was considered a mixed blood. And Jesus was like, Mm-mm. and the disciples literally are like, let's send her away, you know? And right. there, there's a whole story around that, which I'm not going to get into right now, but there was a very clear distinction that this was a pure blood nation of Israel situation. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in the tradition, there was always like people refer to Jesus as the lamb of God. Right. Mm -hmm. So there was always this tradition of getting this pure lamb that is sacrificed for the sins of the nation. Okay. And so um, the only issue is, is that there was supposed to be like, it's supposed to be quick. It's supposed to be painless. There's not supposed to be any suffering at all. Like if you look at the actual tradition, the, the throat is slit on the lamb and then there's just death. Okay. But that's not what happened to Jesus. Right. So what is this thing going on? What is this thing that God is doing where he goes through this like massive humiliation, Mm -hmm. massive humiliation. And if you look at the pattern of God throughout the scripture, this is definitely a hallmark. I mean, look at Mary. Mary is becomes pregnant at 14 unmarried. You know, this is definitely a humiliation. Okay. And so if you look at the way God, his pattern and his signature and the way he works and things, there's obviously something more going on than Jesus simply dying for the sins of a nation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what is that thing? He had to be a, a, a display for way more. And I think that's, that's all I'm going to leave it at right now. He had to be a display for way more. And he had to be, he gets to the point of almost death. Okay. And he cries out on the cross, God, God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. This is huge because This is the point where you know for sure that all of the sins of the world have been laid on him. Mm -hmm. Why do you know that that's the moment? It's because that's when he's blind. And this is a, it really flies in the face of, it almost is like considered by religion heresy. But if you follow me on this, this is the point God, Jesus had always referred to the father in an intimate way. He called him Abba, right? He called Mm -hmm. him father. This is the point where he uses this sort of judicial, um, there's not that intimacy. He says, God, 
right? God, God, right. why have you forsaken me? Okay, well, if you understand what the God is, right? Mm -hmm. And we've talked about how that's what makes him special is that he recognized and bared, bared witness to the God, okay? Mm -hmm. So this is something that is intrinsic to his even existence. He's breathing out with life, okay? Which means that God is present. And yet in his mind, he's totally blinded by it because he speaks out the sin. It's like the ultimate sin or the sin of every man, which is that God has forsaken us. How right. could God forsake us? Because we can't even, this is soil body. We're soil bodies. We can't even, you can't even hear me. You can't brush your teeth. You know, people want spiritual things. Brushing your teeth is spiritual. How can you do it without God? God's life, right? right. God's life, his breath is in us. Okay. Right. And so Jesus, alive, still alive, says, God, God, why have you forsaken me? So this is the point where you know he's blinded. Mm -hmm. And in this state where he's totally blinded with all of the sin of the world, that's when he dies. Right. Okay? So religion butchers it. They, they're like, oh, it was a perfect man, you know, and it makes him removed from us. It makes it like it's not every man, okay? Mm. But it is because he shows us an example of who and what we are, okay? And so he literally dies with all of the sin of the world on him. And he, he's, he's in the grave. He's totally dead, okay? Completely unaware, no consciousness whatsoever, no sensation, no thought, no feeling, nothing. And the only thing that, that is bringing life to him again, the only thing that resurrects him at this moment is the righteousness of the father. It's the righteousness of the father, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're really hearing me, this should be a huge weight that comes off of every person that's listening to this, because that means that there's nothing that Jesus did to earn being resurrected. Just right. like there's nothing we can do to earn it, right? Wow. He's showing us the way through death and that, that death was, was, it was necessary for us to be completely helpless so that God sh could show us that he is helpful. Mm. And so God wanted to give us, ultimately God wanted to give us immortality. And so in order for us to appreciate immortality, he had to give us mortality. How can right. you appreciate immortality if you don't first understand and go through mortality? Right. And so because that's what he ultimately wanted to give us, then he gives us resurrection. But in order for us to get resurrection, we have to get death. Okay. So he, he, he sees this end game, right? He sees this he, and he finished it from the beginning. He sees this end game of this thing that he wants us to experience with him, this right. greatness. Okay. But when we arrive at that point, he wants us to have all of this wisdom and understanding and appreciation and depth of mm. value. And so because he wants that thing, he takes us through this process whereby we understand enduring and suffering and death and humiliation. And so that we will appreciate as we go through the process, knowing that it's already complete, it's already finished. 
religion butchers it completely. There's like some will, some won't, you know, who knows God, God's in control sometimes, but I might be able to overrule God's will for me. And, oh, I messed this up and I ruined God's blessing for me. It's like all these ridiculous things that mm. have nothing to do with, see, do you see how those things I just said in that list are all focused on what I'm doing? Correct. And what I've been talking about this whole time is the things that God is doing. And there's a well, because and exactly. And whenever you think you can change things, you're thinking you're greater than God. And that's ultimately, that's almost the ultimate sin to just think that you're going to change where you end up somehow. Um, and, or, uh, there is a difference between those. And one of the questions I want, and like I said, you know, you, you're simplifying everything. Um, mm. and one of the things is like, what, what about it? What about before Jesus on the planet was different from then afterward? What was it like? What was death like before? Jesus? And then what about Jesus's death and resurrection from then on out? What, what was different about our lives and things? Oh man, that is a great question. I would say hope. I would say hope is probably, and not just hope like a man, but hope like God hope. And um, this is the type of hope that Abraham saw. This was before Abraham entered into the law and was circumcised. This is something that God showed him um, where he was so joyous. This is before the law. He was so joyous that he was, um, that he saw this thing that it just wasn't, <clears throat> it wasn't available for people that that type of hope, it wasn't available for people to um, have access to. And, and so what happened when even it says in the scripture that, you know, the, um, this thing with Jesus um, on the cross, that that happened before the foundation of the earth. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it unfolded in time and space you know, 2000 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It takes some years. Um, and so that was the display and demonstration that what God intended was going to come to pass. Mm. And so then at the point where, and it, it, it there's, there's like this, I want to take you through, if you've never heard this before, if you've never heard this message before, um, when Jesus was resurrected, he was not fully glorified yet. Glory meaning the fullest manifestation of a thing. It was not until he was glorified that we had that access to the last mankind, that we had access to the new creation, okay? Mm. This is what happened when the glorified Christ appears to the apostle Paul. And at the time his name was different. He was actually um, setting about murdering uh, believers. He was on his way to Damascus. This happens in the ninth chapter of Acts. Mm -hmm. And this is the first individual who actually sees and it has an interaction with the glorified Christ. Okay, this is a different, um, a different thing. So when, when Jesus was resurrected, he was not fully in his 
immortal body. He was not fully in his, um, in his um, glorification. That's not something that happened right away. It's something that happened a little bit later, right? Mm. And so um, the hope that I'm talking about is when he took his place in his fullest manifestation, it was like the, it was the exclamation point in time and space to what had been intended and said from before the foundation, if that makes sense. Mm. So Adam being the first mankind, okay? Christ being the last mankind, meaning this is what God intends for man. This is like, this is the thing that God wanted to do from the beginning, but he could, but he didn't because he wanted to take us through a process. So when we arrived at this place, we would appreciate it. Right. And so when, when, when Jesus is, is glorified as Christ and becomes immortal after his ascension, after his um, second ascension, um, then that's the point where the hope is, is like unfolded in time and space. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's really the difference. And so now, and that's why as a, as the body of Christ, that is my hope. That is our hope is we right. look at that and we say that is, this is the faith. This is my true reality. This is our true reality. This glorification of this last mankind is the source of authority is the source of everything for me now right Right. and it's like the um it's like the title deed okay it's like the i haven't um i haven't gotten the land yet in my allotment but I have the title deed to it. So I know that the substance of it is legitimate. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. Okay. So, so that is really the difference between what was talked about and prophesied. And, And by the way, this, this original intention of God for man in the last mankind, this is the thing that he lets Abraham see and that's why Abraham decides that he's going to um, enter into this um, covenant and in, uh, into the covenant with God. So, and eventually it leads on to Moses receiving the law, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. But um, anyways, that, and, and it's, it's really exciting. And this is what is not being taught in the church because, and the biggest reason is because they don't understand the proper cutting. Remember me telling you what my, my red pill was? The proper cutting of the truth tells you that God is doing different things with different people during different time periods. He's showing the nation of Israel physical things. They have a physical temple, they have physical things, implements, and um, they, when they do those things, then they're able to see and understand spiritual things. Okay. That's mm-hmm. not the way God works with us at all. Wow. God is showing us celestial and spiritual things in the last mankind, in the glorified Christ, right? The secret which has been revealed, the things that are not apparent, okay, from the true reality of what's really going on, okay? And then through our seeing of that, we're able to apply them in the physical realm. So it's like yin and yang is the probably the worst way that I could describe it, but it's probably the way that most people that are listening to this can understand it because 
if you see God showing Israel physical things so they can understand spiritual things and God showing us spiritual things so we can understand physical things, it's like that opposite. But all of it is being used by God to display righteousness. And righteousness mm. is like the purpose of everything. It's the purpose of our life. It's the purpose of all the ages. And righteousness is that order of authority okay, where things are correctly placed amongst other things, okay? Mm -hmm. So for mm -hmm. instance, I'll give you a huge for instance, we we'll go back to the profane prattlings, right? Right. In the, in the accounts of Jesus interacting with demons, people that were possessed and things like that, the demons would call him the son of God. But if you, if you look, he never calls himself the son of God. He refers to himself as the son of man. Yes. Even though he is the son of God, that is truth. Mm -hmm. That time period, that's not what God was doing. Mm. And so it was a profane prattling that the demons used because they knew the, the full truth of it. So they called him by the full truth of it. Right. But Jesus was never going. He never went by that ever. Right. He always called himself the son of man. Because that was congruent with what God was doing during that time period. And to take something that God was going to do later and to draw from it and use it now is just confusing. It, it mixes everything up, right? Right. And so there's so many things that are like that. So many, so many, so many things that are like that. But basically what, we're, what we've got in religion right now, to, to kind of take it all down to a nutshell, is we've got... People that don't know if they're the bride, they don't know if they're the body, they don't know what parts of the scripture are talking about the body, they don't know what parts of the scripture are talking about the bride, so they read it and they don't know what applies to themselves, so they see contradictions. That's a lot of atheists say, oh, there's lots of contradictions in the Bible, you know? And it's like, well, yeah, duh, because they're talking about two totally different promises, two totally different groups of people, two totally different time periods, two totally different yes, promises, yes. two totally different things completely, right? Um, and, and or they don't understand um, that there is two of them, that there's two things going on, right? And so what's happening is they mix everything together. And so when they mix everything together, my mentor says it's like a gray goo. <laughs> and he yes. says, you know, like you have, uh, you know, like lukewarm or like gray goo, right? And so when you're like that, then you can't, there's confusion. And so Babylon means confusion by mixture. And that's what's happening in the church all over the whole globe is wow. confusion by mixture. So, and, and I want, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And I just have one last question on the spiritual side of things that a lot of people probably think about, especially if you're still listening to this, which of course, some people drop off every now and then Facebook, this and that. Um, but if you're still listening, the one other question I have, which I like to get into too, and I'm curious about, which is the other, um, the Elohim and the other deities in which God clearly says exist almost like in the scientific way of explaining it, almost like there's other dimensions and there are other beings, but this sort of generalization in the Bible, or not in the Bible, but in the religion of things saying that all other things outside of God are just demon. Uh, and so what, what is the real truth behind many little G and big G and how does that even come together with everything? Okay. So I guess the, the easiest way to describe this to you is this. 
Uh, there are many, many different creatures. And just like in any government uh, or order of things, there's a hierarchy. And uh, in Christ Jesus, we are on the top of that. And God humans is showing- Humans too. Humans, I'm specifically talking about humans, right? Yes. And God, we are made out of the soil, which is the lowest form of things that have been created, right? If you're talking about like minerals and then plants and then animals and then people and then like beings, okay? Like right. celestial beings, right? We're the soil. And so God is basically like, yeah, I'm going to take the lowest, the, 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 you know, the base, the, the ignorant, the, um, the stupid, the, you know, the, the lowest of the low, and I'm going to do this amazing thing with it. And so because he chose this and he is actually giving us his righteousness, he's mm -hmm. like, it's like we're standing in line. Okay. And he's like at the front of the line, he has the best spot or like you, you seats at the, at the stadium, right? He's got the best VIP box seats. Okay. Mm -hmm. And everyone else has got a ticket and they're all in the stadium. Right. And so he's like, you know, I'm going to give you my righteousness, which remember righteousness is the authority in a position that's placed amongst other things, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's like, I'm going to give you my righteousness, not because you deserve it, not because you've done anything to earn it, no, just because I'm God and I decided that I was going to do this thing. And so I, and, and, and I'm going to display this order of authority throughout all of the eons. And so he basically transplants us from where we should have been at the bottom and he puts us in his spot okay this is like god's like this is your spot and that's what i talk about the true reality of things mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. we're, when you walk with the god you function practically in your life with this understanding that you are literally holding god's spot you know like he's like you get my spot you get my authority you get my righteousness you get it right the ultimate provider yes Yes, but religion constantly gives us a sin consciousness, which takes us and navigates us away from what we've really been given in the true reality. That's why I said training your mind, right? And in, into the true reality. So, and I'm going to, I'm going to totally lose it. Hold on. Let me get back to where I was at. It was, oh, okay. So, so the, all of the creatures and everything. Okay. So this is probably one of the number one questions about the hierarchy, the creatures, angels, all of these things. And I'm going to tell you and all of your audience the exact same thing my mentor told me, which I think is the best thing to say, is yes. that all of those things are the least of things that we should discuss, um, that if you need to know it, it will become apparent to you or it will become known to you that the most important thing we could discuss is Christ and our position with him and in him. And, and, and then I'll leave you with this amazing nugget that I think you will really, really dig. So in the divine order of authority, it starts out with the most high God. And you just think about it. I mean, the scripture says most high God. If there was like, equal gods and like you know different names i've heard it described so many different ways okay then there right. wouldn't be a most high god the scripture wouldn't say most high god most high god indicates that there's a hierarchy of gods okay correct and when you think about it 
it's not gods in the sense of deities. It's gods in the sense of a judge and an orderly arrangement of judgment. So there's the most high God, the deity. Okay. And then he has a thought. And in this thought, he speaks forth his will and intention concerning it. And that will and intention in his thought is the only true reality. It is the only source of authority. And we call this reality Christ. And it is everything, both in substance and form, that will happen from the beginning all the way to the consummation, which is the all in all, God all in all at the end, which is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where God becomes all in all again. Everything, me, you, everything right now, it's all in Christ, which is the will and intention of God, okay? And so people are always talking about What is the will of God? I want to be in the will of God. What is the will of God for my life? And what I would like to say to that is that it's not so much about what is the will of God for your life. It's more about what is God's intention concerning the will of God in your life. Okay. So you might have something happen. You're like driving along and your tire blows out and it lands on the rim and ruins your rim. And now this, you have to take out a loan, whatever, some ridiculous Mm -hmm. thing that happens to you. You're like, this is the will of God for my life. Okay. But what is his intention concerning his will? And this is defined by your understanding of his character. And if you see, if you anthropomorphize his character into like a human being where you're like, sometimes he's angry and sometimes he's upset and sometimes he's, you know, this way or that way or austere, austere is important word, look it up, Mm -hmm. um, which is like this um, very severe instead of this, you know, giving, loving, merciful, providing God. Okay. Right, right then you look for his intention and you're like victim. But if you understand his real character and nature, then you understand that when you go to the tire shop to replace your tires, that the guy who also needs his tires repaired is going through a really difficult time in his life. And he really, really needed a happy, smiling face who understands that what you're going through in this moment is a simple circumstance right? There's something bigger. There's a purpose that's bigger that's going on in there. And so you're not allowing the circumstance to move you because you understand that the, that the God is involved, that is planning, that there's an intention here, right? And so then you're aware for opportunity. This might be your new business partner. This might be someone that you're going to give a word to that encourages them, that changes the direction of their entire life. I gave a word to someone Um, just like a few weeks ago, and they literally had a two-week notice for their job in their pocket, and they were holding on to it, okay? And they were like, all throughout the day, I had no idea. I, 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 I pretty much thought the word that I was giving them was, you know, not really all that important. I just, I had something that told me I, I really needed to tell this person something, you know? So I pulled them aside, and told him, and he, he was just like, you don't even realize how important this is. And I'm sitting here thinking like, it's all God because I didn't do anything great. <laughs> yes. You know? but literally the very next day he put in his two weeks notice for his job and it like changed the whole direction of his life. Not because wow. I'm great. I had no right. idea. Because God that. is great. And you got to give glory to God, which is the most important aspect of these right. other, this conversation. And, and not, not even to interrupt, but like the reason I even asked that question is because although it's something that we as, you know, Christ followers in the sense of having that personal relationship with God and moving in that direction shouldn't be talking about all the time, shouldn't even make it important. The craziest part of that is the fact that people worship these other deities and other little beings and other things 
uh, worldly things as well um, that replace that stuff. And to me, the way I kind of put it is I'm like, why? It's almost like, why are you talking to your manager about getting a promotion? Why don't you talk to the CEO about that promotion you want? Uh, it's kind of like, why are you dealing with like little things that are, are yes, exactly. Correct. You're, it's almost like, yes, exactly. And it's not even about that in terms of like, yeah, exactly. Like you're, they're their manager or whatever, but they, they, we are literally putting them on a pedestal, even though they are celestial beings that do exist and call them alien, call them whatever. There are other beings that exist, but they're not even close to our consciousness and, or our, even our, our divine order. And so by giving this worship, it's almost like worshiping um, an inanimate object that gives you nothing that will do nothing for you kind of thing. And so the way I simply put that is like, not that it's a warning against it, but just more like, why are you doing that to some other lower vibrational thing, even though it exists and it prof it's profound in its nature and it scares you or it frightens you and you want if that fear of God or whatever, but you have that fear for it and you want to submit your power to it. When in reality, talk to the guy upstairs, have your relationship straight with God, because that's why God made us, like you said, in that divine order. Sure. And also um, the the creatures just because they have a uh what looks like an apparent greater capacity for ability okay um doesn't mean that they are that's we are holding to things that are not apparent we are holding to things that are part of a hope in god that was solidified by what happened on the cross and 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 afterwards with the resurrection and the glorification and so what looks like it might be better than us or above us in the order really isn't. And so it would be like you are the CEO and you're going down to a, a like, um, you know, male clerk and you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, what can, what wisdom can I get from you? You know, this kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it literally is like that, you know? And so we have all of this fascination with things that are, you know, um, outside of our, what we can, would consider normal, you know, things that are beyond our normal, um, um, common, um, everyday occurrences. So angels and things that we might, you know, think about or, or even have an experience with. And Paul even says, you know, even if an angel came to me and said, you know, that there was and he even, and he even, uh, tells people in a warning, he said, even if angels come and say a different message than what I have told you, because why trace it back to the source. Paul has an experience with the glorified Christ. Right. He has an experience with the last mankind. He has an experience with the new creation. So if some lower messenger, if some, even though it might seem like it has more capacity or ability than us right now, right. that does not mean that that's what the true reality is, right? And right. so it's really a disservice and it's a really waste of time. And it's, uh, it's a poor use of your position, to be honest. Wow. That's, and Paul even says that, he says straight up, whenever we die, whenever we move on, we're above all the angels. We're, I forgot the word he used, but just the fact them. that, yes, we will judge them. That's right. We were the judges of them. Um, gosh, that's so yeah. fascinating. So 
anyways, I, I know I'm going to have a lot of people asking questions and just, you know, so we can all, and we will have another podcast I, for sure. I didn't intend for it to go in this direction, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really love that it did. I mean, I felt that it was important, um, especially during a time like this, um, where you just have people praying to different things. You have people not understanding it. And I can't imagine a, a time and place that where it is more important to be real with who you are and your relationship with God. And again, we've been mentioning multiple times, your positioning, your positioning in terms of the divine order of things. Um, and one of the last things I'll, we, we can get into, which we, you know, we can, you can even revisit this again, uh, but how your, the, the supplementation aspect of things back to health, uh, switching gears a bit is how is it that you think that taking like, let's say the 90 essential nutrients, which we've referred to a couple of times, even biblically as the minerals of the makeup of who we are kind of thing. How is it that a spiritual experience? And why do you think it's so important for people to acknowledge their health overall, but in specific um, as consuming, let's say the 90 essential nutrients, the, the elements in which we're made up of what, 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 what comes to mind whenever I ask you that? Well, uh, it's really simple. Uh, when you uh, we're talking about the mental real estate, we're talking about what occupies your mental real estate. Okay. And obviously it's, it's been clear throughout this entire conversation that there are superior thoughts and superior things to think about. Okay. And if you are consumed with inferior thoughts and inferior things to think about, then you will not have mental space to um, think on the things that take you in the direction that God intends for you to go. Right. Right. And so, um, if you have a, um, a health ailment, then your mindset and your life is consumed with trying to overcome that health ailment, right? Um, and if you are, and, and, and again, this is why Paul goes into two thirds of his writings about how to live a peaceable life. Because as you begin to understand how important this conversation is and how important your time is and your focus is and the order of your thoughts and the order of other thoughts and choosing superior thoughts, then you want to eliminate every possible lower level thought available. So right. you, how can you um, bring forth a message to help anyone if you are struggling with basic stuff. I mean, who wants to follow your Jesus? You know, like just, just be honest, you know, like what is Jesus doing for you? Okay. Mm. Well, the whole point of it is authenticity. The whole point is, is that we were supposed to be following an order. We were supposed to be following principles. We were supposed to be following certain things that created life and life more abundantly. That's what Jesus said he came to bring. I mean, if Jesus said he, I came to bring life and life more abundantly, and you're sitting there like not producing life more abundantly, then why do I want to know you're Jesus? You know right, I mean? Right, right. If you want to be a testimony, if you want your life to exemplify the gospel, if you want to walk in that level of authority, then guess what? You need to have all of your business in order. There's right. no way around it, you know? Yep, yep. And so um, it's not that you have to do a bunch of things to be, it's that you recognize you are those things. And because you are those things, you pursue having a peaceable, orderly life. Yes. 
it's 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 just the reverse of what religion is saying so well no and and again going back to so with with what you just said is your intake of thoughts is the same thing that applies to the intake of material in the oh, body yeah. you are what you consume correct you are what you consume and so both in your mental um scope and also in your physical body and so just like a carpenter needs you know wood and screws and nails and hammer and tools and raw materials to build a house according to the design so too does the body need raw materials building blocks to build according to its design and those raw materials are essential nutrients you know right. and there are 90 of them and that are currently recognized um, as being 90. So 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, and two essential fats. When you get those two, your body can create the third essential fat. And so um, when you get all the raw materials that your body needs, then it has the power within its design to heal itself. And why should you pray for a miracle? Why should you look outside of the system that has been given by God mm. to get something else because you didn't do what you were supposed to. You know, right. you didn't follow the principle, you didn't have the discipline, you were lazy about it, and you were a sluggard or you were ignorant about it up mm -hmm, until this mm -hmm. point. And so you didn't do it. You didn't spend the money, you didn't think it was a priority, you didn't value it, whatever the case may be. You, me, everyone, right? right? And and so now you're in a you're in a spot where you have something going wrong in your body. You have some, you know, deterioration or degeneration, disease, whatever, from not having the raw materials that your body needs to heal itself. And now you have this problem. So now you're like, oh, please, Lord, please, Lord, heal me from this. Please, Lord. And you know what? He gives it anyways, because he's just that good. And healing is the children's bread. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't negate the fact that there's been an order all along that's supposed to be keeping harmony in your body and that right. when you use it, it brings glory to God and it allows you to move past those, those lower level mindset thoughts of simply how to take care of yourself. And then you can move into taking care of others and you can move into contribution rather than consumption. You Ooh, know, that's key. So, Cause you become a burden of upon yourself, but it's a burden that, you essentially created when you didn't need to have that. You didn't need to have that burden. I'm still here. Okay. Um, and by having that burden and and, um, and by having that burden and, and consuming it, like it's something that should be normal. You know, I think that that's, that's something that people need to understand is so key, you know, is that, that sometimes most, most people in this case would be considered uh, ignorant of it, right? They don't know better. Um, and so I think a lot of it even has to do with the fact that, um, we can get into the historical part of this, which I have done before, but it's the lack of nutrients in the soils, why that even is almost how that's a, um, a plan to deteriorate the body of our people here kind of thing. Um, and we can talk about the mischievous nature of that. Um, but then now how we just don't have it and how we must supplement. And that's, again, that's what, but both me and you do, we supplement ourselves personally. And again, I haven't had any health issues. Anytime I do have health issues, I'm able to kind of address those as I go on, um, and doing so naturally. There's go ahead. Thing that I wanted to mention besides just freeing up your mental space from having to worry about disease and degeneration, but also, um, the ability to conduct, um, so we, first of all, the voice of God is the, um, most valuable commodity in the entire universe. 
and we are designed to receive, to desire and to receive the voice of God, okay? We conduct, right? Like a radio antenna or a tower or whatever, right? Right. And the more that we are bogged down with toxins and mm. the more that we are um, uh, depleted, the, the least chance we have to, to hear the voice of God clearly. And so a huge um, um, advantageous component of nutrification is the ability to have a clear mind and silence the other voices, right? Um, and so um, that is that, you know, that's, it's not really something that's like talked about. In no, that is like so well put. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. Because it's really important, but it's not, it's sort of like a taboo pink elephant. Like we like to talk about the physical components a lot, but the truth is, is who doesn't want to hear the voice of God for themselves as clear as ever. And so let me ask you a question. If you smoke cigarettes or you um, drink a rebound, which way do you think your mind is going to be clearer? Right. Drinking a rebound. Right. Obviously, because it has the nutrients and the raw materials that your body needs to function, right? And so same thing with any other substance. You could say sugar, you could say caffeine, mm -hmm. you could pharmaceutical say, drugs, oh, synthetic. Yeah. Yep. Right. So what are the chances? And and I'm not and I'm not saying that if God wants you to hear his voice, he's not gonna just speak to you plainly. That's not what right. I'm saying. Okay. But it's just like with the miracle situation, okay? Is God going to give you a miracle for healing? Absolutely. But it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that there's an order in place that establishes a standard and harmony that is already happening, that you're ignoring, you know what I mean? It's the so, welfare, the spiritual welfare. Like, you need to get off it eventually. Right, exactly. And so, um, yeah, and so that I think is a, is a valuable component of you know i mean is it something that i use with clients no not very often most things that we've talked about in this conversation i would never say um i think that people just aren't you know even thinking back on it i'm like man did i did i go too deep did i say too much um the truth is dylan is that without if you didn't know two plus two, how could you do algebraic expressions, right? Correct. So what good is it for me to talk about things of God at the algebra level if people don't have the basics? So Correct. I like the fact that we talked about the proper dividing of the scripture, that there is a bride and a body, okay? That's huge. I like the fact that we talked about that there's an order in God, right? And um, I alluded to it a little bit. Um, the, the Most High God speaks forth his word. His word is the sun. The sun is the true reality. The true reality is what makes up the faith. That's the order of it, okay? Wow. And then when you see the faith, and the faith is only, the faith comes by hearing, hearing of the word of God. That's not the scripture, okay? Scripture bears witness to the word of God. Mm -hmm. So when you see the faith, then belief is a byproduct. That's why when someone asked me about the body and started telling me the difference between the body and the bride, it was like, oh my gosh, I know exactly 
who I am and what I am because I saw the faith and it, the belief was a byproduct. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, a natural effect of seeing the faith. It's not something that you have to muster up. It's not something that you, religion makes belief a work like that you went through this many classes and then you prayed this many times and then you had the meeting with the pastor and then you went through the thing and you got confirmed into the church and then you were baptized and you like check off all these boxes and now you're considered a believer, right? That's right. not how it works at all. That's not how it works at all. Um, the things that we've talked about here today, resurrection, the intention of God, just knowing that there's a, a will and an intention the two of those together make up the whole counsel of God, okay? And just understanding the eons or the ages and that God is doing different things with different people in different time periods. We defined terms like God. We defined terms like righteousness. We defined terms like um, that God wanted to give us immortality. And so he, uh, he wanted us to appreciate it. So he gives us first mortality, right? Those mm -hmm. types of things, this conversation was talking about the word of God. This is the word of God right here. Okay. Now yes. the scripture bears witness to the things that we've talked about here today. Correct. So people can go back and they can verify the things that we're saying in the scripture. Right. I'll yep. give you an example of something in religion that you can't. Okay. People say immortal soul. Okay. Um, and they talk about saving souls, you know, they're, they're on a crusade to save souls, et cetera, et cetera. They're talking about saving souls from going to hell and eternal right. life, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, the immortal soul was a philosophy by Plato and Plato was a guy who looked at the world and said, there has to be something more like th things are just too grand to be this all, this is all there is. And so because I know that there's something more, there has to be something more, then we must have an immortal soul. And it was woven into doctrine through tradition and being handed down through word of mouth. But there's not a single place in the scripture that bears that witness that can hold the weight of that proclamation. There's not even one witness that says that. And so that is an example of something where someone would be teaching a doctrine and it's not the word of God. Mm -hmm. The scripture right. doesn't back it up. So that, that's an example of, of the difference between this conversation that we're having, although it seems weird to, <laughs> to most people, maybe even offensive, right? Um, but the difference is, is that the things that we've talked about here today are evident and, and you can, the, their, their bared witness in the scripture. So, right. Like Reagan said, trust. Cool. Yeah. Trust, but verify. And right. that's very easily said here. Um, and again, this, this is a podcast. So, you know, people just, you know, listening and they could, they could just take our word for it. Right. Um, but they can also do their own research and it just, it, some things hit right on some people. Like I'd really like to learn more about that. Um, or, and then other people hit differently. Like, Oh, that's just nice. I'd like to, I like to know that stuff. That's nice to hear from them. Um, and so that's, that's awesome. And I, I love that. And again, so we're going to have more podcasts and we'll, you know, I'll bring Jennifer back on here and we'll, we'll get into all kinds of conversations, but I feel like we did go through quite a bit today. People are going to just 
love you and they're going to want to hear more from you and, and hear your thoughts about this stuff. And the final question that I'll ask, and I ask everybody, which is um, just to kind of sum things up a little bit, but what is, what has been on your heart lately um, that you want to share with anyone listening or just with the world or something that you would um, want people to understand or anything like that? Something that's just been on your heart that you've been wanting to share. You can do that and then we'll close this out. Be aware of normalcy bias and make every moment count. Don't be caught up in the uselessness of things that you could be distracted by in your life. Um, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. And if there was ever a time that you needed to be succinct and expedient in your life, it's now. There is a compounding nature to our focus and our actions. And um, the things where we put our time, where we put our money, where we put our heart, they grow. So make sure that those things are according to an intentional priority and not just randomized based on the normalcy bias, assumptions, and um, cultural tendencies. Follow the, um, the follow the small voice that says to pursue things with diligence that have substance and meaning. That's what I would say. Hmm. I love it. I appreciate that. I think that a lot of people will take that. I, I just, to me, that means a lot too. Um, and we are all in a place where, like you even mentioned at the front of it all, just the normalcy bias. Um, and we have a place, and you mentioned it earlier, earlier, but about COVID and about different things going on where it's like, if you're not already kind of questioning like what's happening or whatever, um, it's kind of like you're not that, you know, not your words, but it's like, you're late to the party, you know, like this is a time for people to reflect on who they are. And I really love what you just said about where your time, money and energy go you know, that's what ends up becoming your investment and it, and it comes into fruition. And that can be into uh, some relationship they're having right now that they're, they're investing in that may not be good for them. Um, it could be in a job or their time could be spent on doing a project they shouldn't be. Um, so there's a lot of that that people need to understand as well. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate you coming on. And it was wonderful, um, you know, to have you on here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was, um, I, I, I always get to the end and I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know how much, uh, people will connect with what I'm saying because it's a sacred cow tipping conversation. Yes. And, um, you know, this is definitely a time in, uh, in history where sacred cow tipping conversations are more, uh, relevant we'll say, and yes. useful than they ever have before. And I would encourage you to, if anything, 
stood out to you at all, don't take it lightly. Um, this isn't a time to listen and, and file it away. This is a time to listen and make radical, um, courageous decisions in your life and use discipline and determination and consistency in doing so. So Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, I'm signing off and we'll have Jennifer visiting us very soon. Uh, you can share this with anyone and everyone. Leave a review, rating, comment. That's always great. Um, and yeah, I'll be tagging her as well on Facebook. So if you want to check her out, add her, ask her questions personally, have a consultation with her, reach out, you know, that kind of thing. I'm always inviting people to do that with me. So I'll probably do the same thing with you, Jennifer, if everybody, anybody wants to connect with you. So, um, but again, thanks for listening, everybody. You guys have a great yeah. rest of your day. We can even do a question and answer at some point um, if we want to do something live and have people come in and ask questions. That would be okay too. Yep, we'll do a Facebook live together, um, and we'll have that. We'll have that roll that out. But we'll put this out there now, and then we'll have people listen to this and then ask questions and think about that. And they know where you're coming from on a lot of things. They know where I come from on a lot of things. So they'll all be able to ask, and we can just answer those questions. It'd be a lot of fun. Perfect. All right, guys, I'm going to take this and stop that recording. You guys have a great day. Peace.